What's up, potatoes? I'm Divinity, and you're tuned into The Way I Seen It, the podcast, where I break down real breakthroughs that I get from my favorite TV shows and movies. And on this episode, we'll be talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 1. And there will be spoilers ahead, so do with that information what you will, but we're going to hop right into it. So first, I just want to talk about She-Hulk like as a show. I am in love with this show. I got a chance to see the first four episodes, and I think that it's funny. I think that it's modern. I think that it respects and understands its audience, and I think that it's in touch. One thing I love about this show is that it's not tone deaf to the experiences of marginalized people, and that it really isn't afraid to go there. This show feels more adult compared to the other shows that we've been able to see. And I think that I'm already down for like multiple seasons. If Disney would want to bless us with that, I would totally be on board for it. Um, She-Hulk as a character is fun. She's snarky. She is filling the void of that like Tony Stark-esque humor that I love so much. And yeah, I said what I said. So, uh, you know, I do. I don't care. <laughs> I think that she's great. Tatiana Maslany is such a pitch perfect pick for this character. And yes, I had to take that like two times because that was hard to say. Um, I love seeing her as She-Hulk. She is absolutely crushing it. Some might say that she has smashed this role. She's She's doing it. Um, her dynamic with Mark Ruffalo returning as Hulk and as Bruce Banner is literally my favorite thing. It makes me miss tussling with my cousins and it's just, it's a great show. It's really fun and, you know, I think that they set the expectation for it to be exactly what it is. It's a fun lawyer show. I really love that the show was not trying to be something that it's not. It wants to be funny. It wants to be taken serious at some points. It wants to be relatable at others. But overall, it wants to be fun and it wants to be hilarious. And I think that it's doing a good job at achieving that. When I saw the chopsticks and the hot Cheetos, it was giving Oscar Isaac and I was definitely like, I'm like, you get us, you understand us, you understand the hot Cheetos in and of itself. Like, let me find out that she Hulk is a hot Cheeto girl. I too am a hot Cheeto girl. Come on. I had like a whole series on TikTok called hot Cheeto hot takes and I stopped doing it just because I feel like the world is full of enough discourse for the sake of discourse. And Sometimes it can be tempting to want to do something that's kind of trendy instead of really doing something that you're passionate about. And I'm passionate about what I'm doing now. And it's just like sitting down, unpacking um, movies and scenes in a way that make people feel seen, encouraged, uplifted, or help them cathartically work through some of the stuff that they're going through in life. That's what I want to do. And even though it's fun to kind of ruffle the feathers every now and then, I don't think that it's productive. We have enough people platforming, you know, the Dennis's in the world. And I, that's the other thing. Like, like I said, this show understood, they understood the assignment. They understood the assignment. Like even having a character like Dennis, who in the very first scene of the show, it's already showing that he's one of those fanboy-esque dude bros misogynist who just thinks that women shouldn't, you know? And I just love that this show is not afraid to go there and talk about things that are happening. The tone that they have struck is I think beautiful and I can't wait to see where it goes. 
the pain that I feel in my soul that I have to wait another three weeks before I can see what happens. Like it's a blessing and a curse. I'm so grateful that I got to see the first four episodes up front because I knew immediately that I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to like do a series on this, like on my podcast. I knew that I wanted to do that. I knew I wanted to sit down and make more of the way I've seen it videos for TikTok and just like really pe- like unpack this show. But having to wait three weeks so I can see what happens next, like I'm watching everyone who is enjoying the show, like how does it feel to live my dreams? <laughs> Anyway, we are going to jump into this episode. Um, Like I said, if you've been following along, you know that I'm doing like a series on this. So the first episode is actually my She-Hulk pregame show where I or what I say show my my pregame episode where I talked about Bruce Banner and Hulk. I talked about his struggles, his achievements, everything that he's been through and how that character really makes me feel seen and why I love his character and um, how I like, you know, my experiences in life has made me gravitate to someone like him. So um, love Hulk, love Bruce Banner. I'm a huge fan, always going to be a huge fan. I even just, I just love Mark Ruffalo. I think that he's just like amazing. I love what he's doing for like indigenous people and all the things that he stands for. Like he just seems like a cool person that I would love to get a cheeseburger with. So you not me shooting my shot to be Mark Ruffalo's friend. <laughs> Delusional girl. Um, anyway, once again, um, you'll have to excuse the background noise. I live on the loudest street in America and my street is real spicy tonight. Everybody's decided Divinity's doing her podcast. Let's go outside and drive pterodactyls around the street and bring the apocalypse two weeks early like why are you doing this to me what did i do to deserve this anyway i digress so bruce has this device now that keeps him in human form or whatever and it's a prototype that he had been working on him and jenner on a little uh, road trip and they get into an accident after being approached or hit by a ship from sakar and we all know sakar is where he spent his time stuck as Hulk in Ragnarok in the movie Ragnarok so the inciting event the traumatic event for Hulk was his gamma ray accident like when he got that lethal exposure to the gamma it changed his life it altered his entire existence and I talk about that in the episode before this but I want to talk about the inciting event the traumatic event for Jen Walters which was the car crash and I did love the illustration not that I love what happened okay and let me be clear about that but I love the illustration of being able to see like when you're in proximity of a person who is having a traumatic event it can trigger your own because we see that Bruce Banner like starts to hulk out a little bit like his voice starts to change and he's trying to tell Jen to get away from him because he is literally being triggered while she's having an inciting event and I was like wow that is like powerful imagery because I don't know like for me it was kind of cool to actually see it as an experience instead of like just be to be able to describe it like as a feeling and in that his blood gets mingled with hers and it's so funny to me how she behaves the way that he did initially like the way that Bruce Banner dealt with his Hulk a lot in the beginning was fight or flight like he would literally start tearing stuff up or he would run away and 
we see her not knowing what's going on she transforms so fast that she doesn't have any control over it and she just runs off into the woods when we find her again she is in the bathroom with her homegirls which shout out to the bathroom homegirls that was one of the realest things i've ever seen like and then too i think like the small things matter right they were like, she doesn't deserve you, he doesn't deserve you, or they don't deserve you. And as a, as a she, they, I was like, you know what, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All the stuff that people are like calling woke about this show is literally representing so many people in small ways that are not harmful to anyone. Like, why can't we all be seen, right? Like, you get your strong Bruce Banner, let us use our they, them pronouns in the bathroom while we put on fur coats and lipstick. What's the problem? But soon after that lovely encounter, she goes outside and she's like being catcalled by some men who are making her feel unsafe. And that triggers a transformation. Luckily, Hulk was there to intercept her and take her to Mexico where he has this little chill safe haven and laboratory built by Tony Stark. My heart. Okay, my heart. Um, so he can help her figure out what next steps are for her life. So in the episode is at this moment when they're at the... So in the episode, it's at this moment when she's put on the same t-shirt I have on. And of course, yes, I bought it because she was wearing it. Like, duh. Um, she puts on her t-shirt. She goes downstairs. She starts to get ready to kind of like see what's going on. And Hulk reveals to her that just like him, because they share so many genetic markers, that she was able to also synthesize the radiation, the gamma radiation in her blood. And not only did she synthesize it, she kind of like transforms it because it does something with her blood that it didn't do with his. It has like a healing component. I thought it was very interesting that she was able to synthesize the gamma radiation the same way he had because I really believe that who you are and where you come from matters. And I feel like this was highlighted in wake of this traumatic event that she experienced because of who she was innately down to a dna level she was able to do something with something that should have unalived her and transform other people's lives because of it and i think that that was a differentiating factor for me looking at hulk and looking at she hulk was that it transformed him and it transformed him for the better it took him a long time to get to where he's at as like smart hulk but it transformed him for the better it helped him integrate the parts of himself that he was trying to resist and do some of that shadow work that we see him do throughout the other films it took him a while to get there but i think that it still changed him for the better like it didn't make him a regressive person it didn't make him angry and hopeless and you know, just, it didn't drag him down into the darkness. He didn't let it win, basically. So even though it took him longer than we see Jen dealing with it, it still had a huge impact and a, and a positive outcome. And I feel like the best outcome someone like him could have had dealing with what he dealt with. Hulk kind of reminds me of what it feels like to be the first person in your family to go to therapy to be the older sibling who the parents kind of experiment on and then get better as they have more children. Like Hulk kind of feels like that to me where he was the prototype and she got to benefit from just seeing him conquer all the things that he's conquered. 
Like when you're the first, there's no one before you, distant or close, that can model for you what survival looks like. And even with all the stuff she says to him about being lonely, about being a hero, about, you know, basically becoming a martyr because of his strength, she's still looking at someone who has survived something similar, if not worse, than her own experiences. And here's the thing, we know that as we evolve in our emotional intelligence that we should never compare trauma. Comparing trauma is traumatic. If you want to traumatize yourself, compare your trauma to someone else. And I feel like this was also an undercurrent that was happening in this show, like a, a theme or a message that I was kind of picking up on for myself because there's a lot of discourse happening right now about how Hulk had it worse than She-Hulk or how Bruce had it worse than Jen. When she's talking about her resiliency, when she's talking about the way that she's able to control her temperament, it is just her explaining her life experience. She's not saying, I'm better than you. She's saying that the frequency on which I have this experience is more than you. It's a fact. It's not something that she's trying to wield over his head or whatever. It is a fact that women experience this proximity to that kind of harassment and feeling unsafe. And that is compounded and even more true for people who are queer or trans or any other kind of triple or quadruple minority. And this is why we don't compare trauma because you cannot fact check somebody's experience. If they tell you that's what it is, that's what it is. But I think Bruce seeing her breeze through what he had to struggle through was something that really resonated with me because there is a part of the healing process that I wish that more people would have talked about or I wish that I would have heard more people talk about because I'm sure there may have been people out there in the ether who was like sharing these sentiments and these experiences, but I just didn't know about them, right? But I wish that I did or I could have because the loneliness and the isolation that comes with that specific type of grief that mingles with joy when you see someone going through something you've went through but not having the same outcome. I think that sometimes it serves as like this stark reminder about just how isolating a traumatic experience can be. And when somebody goes through something that is almost identical to what you've gone through, I feel like there are two things that happen, especially if you're close to this person, especially if they're family, especially if you love them, especially if they're a spouse, a partner, um, anybody who's like super close to you, a best friend. I think the first thing that happens is you go into fight or flight, but like you want to fight for them and get them away from that isolating event and the things to follow like you want to protect them from it and I feel like this was the place that Bruce Banner was coming from I think that he had every good intention and exposing Jen to you know help her change and taking her out to smash around and you know have a health have a healthy outlet for her Hulk side like that was something he was not afforded he was able to do all of these things in an environment where she could thrive because he had already done so much of the work and even though the trauma didn't hit her the same way it hit him like he had 15 years of experience and that's the thing I think that people miss when somebody with trauma is trying to help you through trauma 
they're taking out their 15 year binder. They're showing you all of their dark corners and unsavory bits. And when somebody trusts you with that level of their vulnerability, they're diving back into their own stuff to invite you into it and say, hey, here is me at my lowest. This is what that version of me was like. And I'm going to allow you to see that so you can be better so you don't have to go through it that is a very vulnerable very intimate thing and when somebody doesn't want that or somebody doesn't need it it really reminds me of just how much of a gaslighting kind of experience trauma is because i feel like the longer you deal with it there could be a lot of turnover in like your friendships and stuff like that and then also People start to believe you less about the depth of the emotion you're still having about it because they are able to move on because they weren't traumatized. So when you have someone who comes along and has an identical experience, inadvertently, that becomes a person that you can say, dang, they know exactly how I feel. Now I'm seen. Now I'm not alone. And you find out that they're having an experience that is so other than yours that even with the same material, y'all made completely different lives. And I don't think that the people who feel this jealousy that Hulk was talking about in this episode want other people to go through what it is that they're going through. They don't, we don't want that. I have never sat down and said, I want somebody to go through what I'm going through. Like, why would I want that? Why? Like, it's, it's terrible. It's horrible. I, I hate it here. And I'm not inviting anybody over for this pity party. And it's not to say that there aren't some people who are just malicious, I guess, in that way. But that's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about when you love somebody and you see them thriving beyond what you were ever capable to achieve at, at one point in your life. How triggering that could be. You know, I've watched so many TikTok videos of like millennials just excited and happy for Gen Z being able to be like so openly queer and just so brave with the things that they love and who they are. When we grew up, we didn't have that kind of access to expression without being like excommunicadoed from our, our like respected communities. So there is a grief that is mingled with that joy that produces this really specific type of jealousy that is not malicious. It is just sad. Like, it's just sad. And I I love that they gave Hulk this moment to kind of deal with that and that we got to see how he would deal with it. And I think I thought it was funny. You know, I thought it was funny. He's like throwing the boulder out of the freaking atmosphere because she threw hers farther than him. <laughs> it was genuinely funny. And I thought that they did a good job with like you know illustrating how that could go and even when they were like fighting each other the one part in the fight that really illustrates how we don't compare trauma to me is when they did the claps like hulk did his iconic hulk clap and blew her back like blew her all out of the way and she tries to do it and couldn't right but she starts clapping in her own way that literally laid him on the ground without force. And I felt like that was like saying this, like, don't compare it. One is not better than the other. They're just different. And I, I feel like that is a central message. Different doesn't mean better. It literally just means different. 
when we unpack our insecurities about Hulk and She-Hulk, we can see that that is the message. They did a great job of communicating that. Um, and I think that it's awesome. So even with all the training and everything that Hulk helps her with and finally is able to hear her truth about how she knows what she's doing and she's capable of maintaining because of her experiences, because of who she is on the inside, because of that DNA flowing through her, that healing is in her. It's coming from her. She knows she got this. She, being that girl, always going to be that girl. Like that's basically what she's telling Hulk. Like, when can I go home? I'm going to go home. And the conversation that stood out to me was when he was telling her she had to be a hero. So at the beginning of the episode, Jen makes a statement along the lines of what is the duty of those who have power? What is the responsibility of those who have power? And I think that on the surface, it looks like her protecting the jurors at the end after her entire journey throughout the episode is the answer to that question is to stand up for the little guys to protect is to use your strength and your powers to the betterment of everyone else and be, be a hero. But I would like to challenge that because I think that covertly this episode begs us to consider not just what is the duty of someone who has power, but what is the definition of power? I feel like that is such an underlining theme that is being explored in this episode. There's this scene where Bruce and Jennifer, I'm going to call her Jennifer. I feel like I know her. <laughs> There's a scene where Bruce and Jen are arguing and he's trying to tell her, like, you're one of the people who can protect Earth and you're going to be a hero. Like, what else are you going to do? Now that you're, you're a Hulk. Like, what else can you do? And she says to him, I'm not wrong for choosing to help the world the way that I want to. This line challenges us to expand what we deem as powerful. Is it just the display of impossible strength? Or could it also be the ability to advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves? As a black woman, this line resonated with me so heavily, especially in the present times that we're living in. But I want to preface this by saying it is harmful to look at She-Hulk and say she is an archetype of black women. And I'm going to tell you why. Black women and femme presenting people are often sensationalized for our reputation of strength. So much so to the detriment of our own health and safety. There are so many harmful stereotypes and tropes when it comes to this. There have been doctors who outright say like we feel less pain and therefore we're not listened to at the hospital. And there are movements in the world that treat the mental health of black women like it's unbreakable, as if we are necessary casualties to push forth progress. And yet we find ways to thrive beyond any system of oppression. But does that mean that our resilience is up for exploitation to protect and serve anyone else? I'm not wrong for choosing to save the world the way that I want to. One thing that I've had to unpack for myself is that joy is resistance. Joy is a type of power. Do you know what it takes to be joyful at a time like this? To have the audacity, the unmitigated gall, to smile, to joke, to share your interests, to be passionate about anything? 
So while I relate to this particular line from She-Hulk, I think it would be a disservice to black women and femme presenting people everywhere to make her a symbol for black women. We deserve to be in our soft life era. We deserve to set that boundary that we've seen Jen Walter set. We deserve to live in our truth and say, because we're capable of doing it, does not mean that we are obligated. And I know that almost sounds contradictory towards the end because we see that she goes on to hulk out and save those jurors, right? We see that she does it. But here's the thing. When you set a boundary, it is the most explicit showcase of personal power. That is you flexing and saying, my power is my own. She got to choose to do that. She took off her shoes she talked about her suit and then she proceeded to save those people but she had full agency if she wanted to do that or not she was in control she knew exactly what she wanted she knew exactly what she was doing and she really demonstrated that saying no is one of the most powerful things you can do so what is the responsibility of those with power I would answer that question by saying we should start at defining what our power is instead of allowing power to define us. Thank you so much for watching this episode of The Way I Seen It, the podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Divinity. You can find me online at Officially Divinity on all platforms or at thewayiseenit.com. Don't forget to tune in next week as we continue this conversation with She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Bye.